Hey, Tim here. Before we start this episode, I'm hoping you could help me out with a really quick favor. As I hope you know, because I try to mention on every podcast, I really, really appreciate you listening. And I want to invest more into the Future of Agriculture podcast and make it more valuable to you. But I can't do that unless I know what you like and what you don't like about the show. And uh, in order to try to find that out, I've created a very, very brief survey. It's only 10 questions, most or multiple choice. You will go through it very, very quickly. Uh, But if you could, please just hit pause on this episode right now and go to futureofag.com, futureofag.com. Front and center, you're going to see something that says feedback and click here for a brief survey. If you wouldn't mind, please fill that out at your earliest convenience. In fact, right now would be a great time so that I can make sure that as we go forward, I'm making this show better for you. Really appreciate that. That's futureofag.com. Click to take the survey. If you have any questions, you can email me, but that would really, really help out as we plan content and approach here for 2020. Thanks so much and enjoy this episode. This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hey, really glad you could join me for this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. It's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the farmers, the founders, the innovators, the investors, the people shaping the future of the agriculture industry. We have been fortunate enough to feature a lot of exciting new technologies on this show, many of which have to do with data and with artificial intelligence and blockchain and other exciting technologies like that. But it's been rare for me to have the chance to feature an innovation related to agricultural lending. As you probably know, farming is a very, very expensive endeavor. And on top of that, in most cases, 100% of the inputs need to be paid for before a farmer might see any of the revenues from those outputs. So ag lending plays a very, very critical role in filling that gap for producers. But the the landscape has sort of been dominated by traditional ag lenders. And from the outside looking in, at least, I I haven't seen a whole lot of innovation in that space. So I'm very, very excited to share one with you here on the show today. I have on the show Bill York. He's the CEO of a company called Farm Op Capital. Bill is a veteran of the ag lending industry. He's been in the business for 40 years. But him and his co-founders started Farm Op Capital to help finance working capital needs for farmers and ranchers that may not meet the traditional ag lending model. And what I mean by that is perhaps they don't have the collateral it typically requires to take out the loans they need for 100% of their inputs. And they may not have that collateral because in many cases they are renting ground. So this speaks directly to the trend in agriculture of more of the farm operators owning less of the ground. You have more farm landlords, be it investors or other people that are renting out the, the ground to these farmers. So Bill and his team help those farmers that may not have the collateral for a traditional ag loan get their working needs, working capital needs, and get it when they need it. So exciting stuff. I really enjoyed this conversation with Bill. He's going to start off by talking about some of the trends converging that make the environment ripe for a company like FarmOp Capital. Yeah, the uh, the, the trend that is really creating a, a segment of challenging, I, I would 
you know, underserved, maybe too aggressive, but certainly there's a segment of agriculture on the production side, specifically crop production side. Lending into this sector is a challenge or, or a growing challenge just because of the, the, the cyclicality of the commodities that is certainly creating an opportunity for us. But our real focus is on the longer term trend of what we're seeing primarily in the separation of farm ownership from farm operations. And the the operators of, of, of the farm tend to not own a significant portion of their real estate. And the segment that, that is opening up and getting larger, and, and this has been a, a trend that is, you know, decades in, in the works, but is just accelerating as, as farmers focus more and more on operational efficiency and are less inclined to commit so much of their capital to, to ownership of farm real estate because of, you know, the, the heavy cost of ownership of farm real estate. So from a traditional lending standpoint, we've got some great traditional lenders out there that service agriculture, the farm credit system, the ag banking system have done a great job, but they're more structured to service the more traditional ownership structure. They tend to rely on equity in farm real estate or equity in hard collateral, you know, machinery and equipment. And that's where they have traditionally relied in terms of lending. What we're looking at is, is obviously if you're not owning the, the farm real estate, then you don't have the, the equity associated with that. And it takes away one of the perceived safety nets of traditional lending. And what tends to happen is the availability of credit to operate farms that are largely rented becomes more and more difficult. And it's been a challenge for traditional um, lenders, you know, since this trend, you know, really started to accelerate a couple decades ago. And so what happens then is a farmer goes to a lender and says, I need some money for my working capital to buy my inputs and to farm this year. And the lender says, great, happy to lend you that. Just, uh, you know, give me the value of your land and we'll lend against the value of your land. And they say, well, I don't have any land. I, I, I rent all my land. And then that creates the problem that you address. Is that accurate? Yeah, that, that, that's generally accurate. You know, traditional lenders would tend to, you know, obviously they're, they're most stable source of collateral is, is is farm real estate obviously that's you know kind of the you know the the real foundation for you know kind of a traditional farm that owns uh, a farmer that that owns his his land or owns most of his land so that is gone or, or is not available for the customers that we're targeting a traditional lender would would put some typically would put some value uh, future value in the, in the crop but it tends to be much less than the cost of producing that crop so if, so if you don't have the overlying collateral either in land or machinery what you tend to end up doing is maybe getting a little bit of operating loan from from a traditional bank or farm credit and then you try to fill that gap with funding sources like the input supplier and you know maybe you enter into um, a transaction with your land with your renter so you share kind of future crop crop shares something like that what tends to happen though with that kind of you know fragmented structure is you're you're not in the position to negotiate effectively to get the optimum cost 
there tends to be you know carried or hidden cost in in all of those solutions and it drives up your cost of operations which obviously is always a challenge but even more of a challenge in the current commodity price marketplace so if you're able to get a loan that is timely and adequate to meet all of your operating needs you're better able to you know purchase inputs efficiently to buy the optimum level of inputs and actually reduce your your costs because you know you're you're negotiating with cash instead of you know basically bartering with the input providers hmm. And so how does farm op capital do things then from, from a customer experience? If you're that farmer and you, you're having troubles getting what you need, and it sounds like getting it early enough is kind of what you're saying. How does farm op capital work? How early are you talking and how are you able to make the loan while still managing your own risk? Yeah, and, and certainly that's that's the question of any anybody that's extending credit is is to to mitigate risk and obviously to create customer experiences that are positive so you have repeat customers absolutely critical for you know somebody that's providing operating operating loans. So you know as we look you know you know how are we comfortable doing this? One thing that's a a kind of a bedrock that really helps us with a a significant risk mitigant is the availability of federal crop insurance. So that provides, so, so you know, we are very attuned uh, to their coverage, you know, for, from a crop insurance standpoint. So that provides a foundation for us. And we're looking at, you know, not only the, the, the crop insurance, but the production history that's a part of the calculation of the crop insurance provides us a lot of information about the productivity of that land and we can structure a loan around it. We're also taking security in the crop itself, and and we look at this, uh, you know, very much as a kind of a a project loan, a traditional project loan, to provide funding for a project, and you know, understand what the inputs are. You know, obviously, we're targeting customers that are good producers, are efficient producers who can produce this product. We're looking at their marketing strategy to be sure that there's adequate marketing so that we know that if the crop is produced, it's sold at a at a, a price that we've underwritten to. And one of the key credit enhancements is so so that's really what we're looking at as the foundation for our crop. We're not relying on their balance sheet, we're relying on their history to produce a crop. And we're we're utilizing technology that most farmers already have to help us be informed throughout the loan process. It's not intrusive to the farmer, but for a lender, it's it's good to know what's happening with with that crop. That you know, when was it put in? You know, how is it progressing, and so forth. So having adequate funds to you know to optimize their operation is critical so we will advance our target is to advance 100% of their their input needs our target is to advance them at a time that is most efficient for them in terms of buying their inputs so we will be funding some you know crop loans this fall because there are opportunities to to lock in inputs at price discounts in the fall and buy Providing that funding, we've actually reduced their their cost structure, and it's a credit enhancement to to our product. And so we 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 want to effectively evaluate that farmer's ability to produce that crop, 
There's technology available that they're already using in, in most cases that are, aren't really leveraged by other lenders that allow us to kind of track that, that crop through the cycle all the way through to marketing. We also uh, take a look at you know, their marketing strategy and, and require a minimum you know, protection in terms of pricing throughout the cycle. So we're looking at their ability to produce the crop, effective marketing in that crop, efficiency in terms of buying inputs. And we're, we're unique in terms of lenders in how we, how we run our operation. Hmm. And, and you mentioned, you know, big discounts for inputs in in the fall ahead of when you're going to plant in the spring. So that'd be like right now for next year's crop 2020, right? That's correct. Yes. And and if I if I'm a farmer and, and you're going to lend to me to pick up those discounts this fall, do I also need to lock in some of my some of my sales of that crop for the 2020 fall? No. What we'll be looking at, and we will extend a portion, you know, uh, we, we won't be extending 100% of our loan in the fall. Obviously, that's not, not necessary, but we would extend a portion of that. And, and we will do our basic, our initial underwrite off of their history, you know, looking at their existing crop insurance, their production history, their valuation there, and make the, the assumption that you know there's a certain baseline you know as they go into the 2020 crop year so we'll look at 2019 you know multiple crop insurance policy it provides us a great picture of of what 2020 is likely to to look like and we'll adjust as we move forward and you know like i said we we use technology we're not a technology company from a tra- you know traditional standpoint we don't necessarily develop technology, but we do create interfaces from a number of vendors that are working with us so that we can, you know, track, provide service to this customer so that they can, you know, we can be attuned and help them as they move their crop plan around. So we know where the value of that projected crop is going to be as they make their decisions through the fall and and until they, you know, actually plant in the spring. And we'll essentially follow that crop through planting, you know, and, you know, the maturation and, and be able to monitor that crop remotely to to make sure that the crop is progressing and, and then focus on those farmers that may have some challenges with with their crop, you know, whether that's, you know, drought issues, obviously prevent plant this year was a, you know, a key driver. So we want to stay attuned to, um, you know, what's happening with, with that farmer and his crop without really interfering with the with the operation at all. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we're talking here seed, chemical, fertilizer. Are there other inputs that, that you're looking at financing? Yeah, basically, we'll finance anything related to that crop. You know, land rent, certainly one of our biggest line items. So we will cover the land rent and we will cover potentially land payments or uh, equipment payments if it's appropriate, if that's required. Many of these loans will be structured so that those land or equipment payments are are after harvest and and you know they may pay them directly out of out of the the proceeds but if they're not you know we we could include that in our loan as well okay and getting back to something you said earlier it sounds like you know before farm up capital existed you know farmers were able to 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 get these loans on working capital you know but maybe not 
100% of their input needs or, or their, their working capital needs and at a steep price. Essentially, is that what you're able to, to provide for them is not only access, but maybe a little bit cheaper, a little bit earlier in making sure you cover what they need? Yeah, and, and each producer is a little bit unique, but typically, and hard to say typically, but for many farmers that are working with a traditional lender, which most farmers are, they they would probably get some of that input, you know, loan from their primary lender, but it's typically quite a bit less than they need to, to actually make that crop. So where the, co- the extra cost comes in is, you know, if they, you know, in their purchase decisions, do they have enough liquidity to to optimize those? That's one of the, the, the questions. Do they, as, especially as we see the cycle where things get tighter, you know, traditional lenders will tend to squeeze back the advance rates, which actually, in our view, makes the, the loan more risky because then the farmer is tempted to not optimize that crop. He's forced to you know, use other funding sources that may be less efficient, and it just is not optimum. So what we're saying, you know, have adequate liquidity to to optimize your operation and you know, buy the right products at the right time, get the best pro- pricing. But uh, yeah, one one of the the challenges, and and certainly we've got robust robust input industry out there that that, that are doing a good job, but you know they're they're reluctant to provide financing as a part of their input and and when they do obviously there's there's a risk profile as well and that tends to be more expensive than than if they had a lender like us to provide that input sure i i would think working with a lender is a really sort of sticky situation in that if i've been working with the same company and and they maybe they've given me my loan for some farmland they give me my loan for some equipment they've they've they financed working capital in the past to leave them would feel like a risk to me in that, oh, am I going to make them mad? And then, you know, then I won't have as good of a relationship in the future. And what if I need them? Are you running into that with, you know, as you grow this business of, boy, we are a no brainer, except for the risk of, you know, leaving my current lender? Yeah, you know, great question. And, you know, obviously, there's variability out there. I would say that for many of our customers, that is not occurring. One, they're not leaving their their original lender. That lender is still very happy to provide you know the the, the loan on the land and maybe even the the equipment. And in many cases, we're we're getting referrals from primary lenders who understand what we're doing and and they're not real comfortable you know extending additional credit for operating but they understand that somebody needs to in order to get their base loan paid for. So right now, I guess we, our hope, our expectation, I think where we are today is, is not to be viewed as a competitor to kind of the traditional ag lenders, but a compliment that, you know, fits actually quite well with what they're trying to accomplish. That, you know, obviously there'll be some that, that view us as competitors and want to you know, control that customer, but in many cases, we're being we're being invited in. Hmm. And currently, I would think your your target customer is going to be someone, obviously, who who rents land or or at least maybe doesn't have the the balance sheet in order to to get these loans based on that collateral. Probably growing annual crops just based on you know renting year to year. I had read you're in 19 states. So are you pretty Midwest focused currently? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, and then, and we are you know dealing with annual crops in you know essentially the middle portion of, of the of the country. Yeah, that's where where we're focused in, and and uh, and we're looking at loan products that you know have a maturity of you know anywhere from a year to eighteen months. You know to get the the early uh, funding of inputs if that's what they wish to do, and to allow them a you know an adequate marketing window. Okay, and are are you are you working directly with the growers? Or are you working through you know kind of independent reps that that help sell your product? How's sort of the how's the market served from that standpoint? Yeah, we have a a field force of uh, regional sales managers that work directly with the with the customer. They're on the farm as need be to have the conversations to to, to talk through the you know the product, you know their financial position and and so forth. So yeah, we do have the field sales force. I will say that many of our leads are coming from existing. We already talked about you know farm credits or banks, equipment dealers, even input suppliers are all seed dealers are all referring people to us. The, the yeah the seed dealer and the input supplier is kind of an interesting prospect. It, it reminds me sort of how car, car dealerships do it now, where it's like. Hey, we want to sell you a car. And if you're having trouble getting financing, we'll just, you know, here's the financing right here. It, you know, is that a model that that could work in this situation? Well, again, we, we believe there's significant value to independence so that the farmer can pick and choose his input supplier, his seed dealer and, and so forth. So while we we believe we can we can support purchases of you know through inputs or seed dealers we don't want to and we're not going to be tied to an individual you know co-op or or seed dealership or whatever so our product is independent but they may you know refer customers to us to to do the funding sure well, yeah, you have decades of experience in in ag lending for some very you know very large ag lenders out there. It's known for being a really kind of conservative business. In fact, you know one of the reasons that the farm op capital has this advantage is is because of how how conservative it is. How, how has the transition been from from big ag lending to to startup life for you? Yeah, it, uh, it, it's certainly interesting. You know, I uh, retired from, you know, from Agribank, you know, the largest farm credit bank and spent, you know, like I said, close to 40 years in ag lending and actually was the chairman of the risk management committee of the farm credit system. So I helped set, you know, credit policy for the farm credit system for for a decade. But in, in as I alluded to early on, this this type of customer, you know, our target type of customer has been a challenge to meet their needs for traditional lendings, including farm credits, you know, for, for decades. Uh, it, it just doesn't fit the traditional model. You know, the risk profile is from a traditional view standpoint, hard collateral standpoint is different. And so it's not something that traditional lenders and their regulators are real comfortable with. But I, I look at you know my background. I also uh, you know spent a dozen years with Case New Holland in, in equipment lending across the globe, and I look to a number of places, both domestic and internal, internationally, where you maybe step away from the kind of traditional underwrite and look at the risk profile where the risk mitigants are, and you develop programs that are different from a risk profile but are not necessarily riskier. 
And I think this fits very well into that. I, I think there's you know some mitigants that are are very powerful with crop insurance. You know the you know the asset control structure in terms of crop mortgages and the the strengthening of the customer because of uh, more efficiency in in terms of, of purchasing and, and negotiating and really looking at the production history of that of that customer. Uh, I think there's like I said it's a different risk structure, but it's not a higher risk structure. You know we're relatively new so. Some of that is theoretical now in terms of what our experience would be in terms of defaults, but I feel uh, very comfortable that, that we've got a structure that makes sense going forward. Yeah, and what's so interesting to me about this is, you know, you're not out to to turn the industry on its head, you're, you're noticing a an, an underserved aspect of the lending cycle and, and sort of filling that niche. When did the the idea for Farm Up Capital develop and at what point did, did you come aboard? Yeah, it's kind of, a, you know, I'm one of the founding partners and Kira Rennick is our CFO and another founding partner and, and Darwin, Darwin Melnick is kind of our chief technical officer. He's another founding partner. And, and we kind of, you know, I, after I left Agribank and, and was, you know, looking at from the input supply side, some of the challenges that were growing there. So was thinking about what's a solution that makes sense going forward. Both of them were working on a technical solution in terms of kind of monitoring crops and, and recognize this, this gap. And we were introduced over two years ago and started brainstorming about how to put a solution together for a segment that we knew, you know, I've known, you know, like I said, for, for decades, this segment has been growing and it's it's been a challenge to get it appropriately capitalized and brainstormed about what solutions would look like going forward. A year ago in January, we, we, we formally put together the LLC and began, you know, laying out the process of, of putting this funding together. Another key milestone. So we, we evolved, you know, the product, you know, some of the technical, you know, solutions. We don't have joint ventures, but we certainly have vendors that are critical to our, our performance going forward. You know, began, you know, with some, you know, basically a small portfolio of lending this year and Finance of America we've been working with and, and they joined us and announced about two months ago that they're, you know, part of the team, they're an equity component and certainly an important part of our funding source as well. So that's how it's come together. And I would think there's probably a lot of regulation involved. Was that a big hurdle for you all to overcome? And and perhaps is that part of the the moat that makes it hard for a company to pop up out of nowhere and compete with you? Well, it we we are not uh, we're licensed or we're regulated by the by the individual states. So there's there are um, you know license requirements depending on the state that vary. So we are licensed in 19 separate states. You know, the, and since we are involved with, with operating loans, essentially we're not, we're not in the real estate market, which would be more heavily re- regulated. We don't sell insurance. Insurance is critical to us, but again, that's a part of the independence and the value proposition we bring. So we're not regulated from an insurance standpoint. So, so we're providing essentially, you know, uh, medium-sized business loans to farm businesses and yeah, uh, I mean, obviously there is uh, certain you know, criteria we we need to meet, and appropriately so. 
I think the you know the challenge of coming to this marketplace is to to marry you know the expertise the you know the the technology and to um, you know quite frankly have the you know the the appetite from the equity standpoint and from the the portfolio ownership standpoint to be engaged in this industry. Mm-hmm. And and if I'm a farmer and and this is exactly what I've been looking for, I imagine I'm going to fill out a loan application. How is that application going to look different than maybe other loan applications I've filled out? Yes, you you will fill out a loan application. You know, obviously there'll be some commonality. I think you know as we look at uh, what's important to to our underwrite, we're going to be focused more probably on his his insurance. You know, his cash flow. Than, than a traditional lender. Uh, you know, we're, we're still going to look at his, his balance sheet and his, his earnings history, but our focus is really on his ability to produce that crop. You know, his cost structure relative to to others, and you know, the the risk mitigants that are in place because of his ability to produce that crop. You know, the efficiency that can be gained with a, an efficient capital structure and with a floor of crop insurance. And I know it's not it's not probably the 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 favorite thing for anyone to talk about, but you know what happens in the event that they don't produce the crop they thought they would, or they don't get the price they thought they would, and they're they're not going to cover their working capital when it comes time to market that crop. Yeah, you know it's it's credit, which means that that's always a possibility, and you know we we obviously would work through work with that customer to see what the the ultimate solution is, and and it could vary, obviously, depending on how catastrophic the miss is. You know, we feel pretty comfortable that, that the miss will not be too large, given, you know, part of what we will be doing is monitoring its, its crop insurance, and that's multi-parallel. So if it's, a, if it's a weather issue, you know, crop insurance will provide a, a significant floor, probably not 100% of, of where we're at. But again, we're looking at his ability or his or her ability to produce that crop going going forward and and we'll we'll make decisions that are appropriate at that point in time. A, a miss of his income, his or her income uh, may just need some modifications for the year going forward. You know, obviously it depends. We're not likely to be the, the lender that would be making the hard decisions about his viability for the next year because he's likely to have another lender on his machinery and and land. And we're probably more likely to be working with them than the traditional lender, but every, every deal is different. And you you have a unique vantage point just in terms of the current status of of, of farm risk, and perhaps it, it maybe I'm wrong, but may, I would assume that your customers are at a lower risk of being over leveraged because generally speaking, they they don't have some of those big assets like a, a bunch of land that they maybe took out big loans on. But but regardless, you can tell me if that's true or not. But regardless, you know what's your just overall impressions of the current farm risk situation and how that looks going forward. Yeah, and you know, all of us that have been involved with agriculture for an extended period of time know that there are cycles and and there are challenges, and and certainly we're in a in a cycle for the you know the commodities that we're primarily dealing with that are challenging. There, there's there's no question about that. I think what happens though in during times like these is that those that you know the, the foundation of any credit is the ability to produce income. So 
if our underwrite, as we expect it to be, is looking at that farmer's ability you know, to produce a crop and get that crop marketed, they're in as strong a position as anybody to be a survivor going forward. And obviously, you know, nobody wants to extend credit to somebody who's not going to be viable long term. So the challenge, certainly the, the current cycle is a, is a challenge. It, it's hard to see right now that there's you know something eminent on the horizon that's going to make it look much better. But it's times like these that the, the appropriate structuring and, and production efficiency come to the come to the fore. We're certainly bullish long-term that, that this industry, you know, because of its foundation, you know, essentially for humanity is, is going to, you know, get a, a little bit stronger, but efficiency is going to be part of the game. I, you know, so that's what we're looking at. I think we're giving farmers tools to be more efficient. You know, in terms of, you know, the risk for kind of a traditional lender that maybe is lending on the, on the real estate. I do think that's that's not the risk is in in my mind and and I don't have an absolute crystal ball but you know I, I do think that there is a reasonable floor under farm prices interest rates I don't see something you know in the short horizon that's going to drive interest rates and and even with prolonged uh, you know commodity price weakness to see land values drop dramatically so while we're not in the land lending business, I think the foundation for the rest of ag lending is still still pretty solid. But no question we're going through a trough. We are I'm I'm very optimistic that this segment probably for the the reason we described is probably gonna going to continue to grow. So you see less and less owners of the land operating it and more and more of, of producers, you know, that are specialized in producing crops operating the land. So I think that trend is going to continue. No question that the current trough probably opens the door for us to some, actually some stronger customers that like our way of lending and think it fits their 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 business quite well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's definitely on trend with things like the sharing economy or the gig economy. You know, if, if that kind of translates more over into ag, certainly makes a lot of sense. And, and obviously, we're, we're definitely seeing that trend of more of the farmers uh, renting rather than, than owning yeah. a of their land. If, if those farmers are listening right now, Bill, and they, they want to check you out and figure out if this might be right for them, where should we send them? Yeah, they can go to uh, farmop.com. We'll we'll respond to them, and and we're excited about the, the interest in our, in our product. We've got applications flowing in, and we're excited about the opportunity to be a part of the solution for what we see as a, a very critical segment of agriculture, and just getting more critical over time. Absolutely. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you being on the show. It's it's not it's not very often that we get to feature in innovation in ag lending. And, and I don't mean that as a dig on the industry at all. It's just, you know, there's a lot of ag technologies coming out, but there haven't been a whole lot of startups, at least that I've seen, kind of finding a, a good market in, in ag lending. So this has been a real treat. I really appreciate it. I hope those of you listening will go check out FarmOp Capital and Bill York. Thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks once again to Bill York from FarmUp Capital for being on the show. It was fun to highlight an innovation happening in a very large, very established space that of ag lending.
Thanks as well to those of you who have provided feedback via our survey or and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. I'll go ahead and read one. It's been a while, but I'll read one here from, uh, I love this name because it's on the iTunes app and I share his opinion of it. It's 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 from someone who's calling himself Tyler, I hate this app. <laughs> it's, it says, great podcast for those interested in agriculture. Tim is a great interviewer and the topics are quite interesting if you care about agriculture and farming. Thank you, Tyler. I share your opinion on iTunes, but whatever app you use, whether it's iTunes or something else, if you have the opportunity, please just take the 30 seconds and leave us a rating and review. It will help spread the word, and I'd love to give you a shout out on a future episode of this show. Thank you for your continued support, and we'll be back next week with another exciting Ag Innovator. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week. Hey,